Everybody move forward. Get your Bibles out and turn to Genesis 28, verse 10. Genesis is the first book of the Bible, verse 10. Yes. Yes. Okay, Stan, uh, the vice president of our church, had triple bypass on Friday. He's 57 years old, and he's often the guy who blesses people at the end. If you're not familiar with him as a friend, uh, neat guy, wonderful guy, and uh, we need to pray for him. And uh, the trustees of the church all went to visit him during the week, and it was really uh, marvelous. But uh, he's been through quite an ordeal, so let's pray. Lord, uh, we want to pray a blessing on Stan right now. Uh, We pray that you would remove the pain from him right now, Lord. Uh, The pain's like a warning light on the dashboard. He already knows what it's for, so he doesn't need to have that light on. So we just pray, Lord, that you would just lift that pain out of him right now, in Jesus' name, that he would heal, that he would have decades of health and strength and ministry ahead of him, that he would thrive, that you would bless his marriage, his kids, his finances, and everything, Lord. Just fill his mind right now with good thoughts and uh, soothe the pain away. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Wendy, for sharing that. Well, this has been one of the best sermon series that I've been through because I learned so much. And it's been on visions and dreams in the Bible. If you're new to the church, go back and listen to those visions and dreams in the Bible. And what it's taught me is that we're just scratching the surface on visions and dreams in the Bible. We could go all year. You ever notice that if you're married and your wife is pregnant, all of a sudden everyone's pregnant? Or you get a red car that you think nobody had, and you get on the 405 and everyone's got it. Or that's kind of how things work. And once you start seeing visions and dreams in the Bible, you realize we're just touching the very surface of it. It's a big part of the Bible story. So we're talking about vision not just for this year, but God giving us visions and dreams for the next 10 years. It's really easy to lose a decade. We need to be intentional about where God is leading us and intentional about seeking him and being open to his visions and dreams for us. And that's what this uh, whole series has been about. Let's read this. This is from, it's not from the Bible. It's uh, from (laughs) Pink Floyd. But uh, (laughs) one, two, three. And then one day you find that ten years have got behind you. No one told you where to run. You missed the starting. It's easy to miss a decade. And you might think, oh, that's just a midlife crisis thing. We have a ton of 20-year-olds who are really struggling right now. And the train they thought they were going to get on has left the station. Wendy was working. She volunteers at a thrift shop. And at this thrift shop, she had some young women come up yesterday, and they were talking about how they have useless college degrees and lots of debt. That's not that uncommon right now. It's not that uncommon. And there's people even in their 20s missing a decade pretty quickly. All of a sudden, you're 30, and you haven't really gotten off the mark yet. The reason I have this picture on there, this is the train station in Macon, which is in France. That is the TGV, one of the fastest trains in the world. goes 200 miles an hour. Train à grande vitesse, they say in French, the, the high-speed train. And it is, it is so cool. 
This is a small town, Macon, where we got off the train. And there's tracks along the platforms, but there's tracks in the middle, too, where the train blows through and it doesn't stop. Not right next to the platform, because that would blow you off your feet. But you, you hear it coming from the distance. It goes right through. It just, it just zips through this, this train. And it's way, way cool. And I rode that train, and you can't see anything close to you. You can only see things far away, because everything close is blurry. And then you look in the distance, otherwise you get sick, because it's just you're moving so fast. But so often in life, we feel like things didn't go the way they were supposed to go. There are no straight lines in this life. Lots of detours. Lots of getting lost. There's no GPS for guiding us through life that we can get in. There's no app for your phone for that. How do you know what big decisions to make? And it's so easy to start losing a decade and another decade and another decade. And next thing you know, yeah, you're old. So we, oh, just in case you know, he said, be careful here. This is Woody Young, and because of his last name Young, he will be forever young. But standing on this, much of life feels like you're standing on this platform and the trains are zipping by, and you're thinking, I can't even get on these trains. They just keep going past me. And if you've ever noticed, there's no such thing as a straight line in nature. Look at trees. Look at oak trees over the place, right? You say, well, light goes in a straight line. Well, we've got a rocket scientist over here who will tell you that light doesn't go in a straight line when there's lots of gravity. If light goes past a sun or a star, it bends. Even light. Nothing in nature is a straight line. Craig here designed this room, and he designed it with straight lines because he's an architect. Humans do that, but God makes things kind of all over the place. Look at me carefully. One of my ears is a lot lower than the other one. It's, it's, it's hard to wear glasses because the glasses just, you know, they, 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 I hate glasses because my ears are different heights. It's, it's, we're, we're put together funny. And life is, is a crooked thing. If you go into a relationship or a marriage, you hope that this relationship will be the one. But you end up often with lots of them. You know, uh, people don't intend during their first marriage to get married three, four times, but it happens. I've got a cousin who's been married six times. She's my age. I don't think she set out to do that. One of Wendy's best friends has... Kids by lots of different people. Wonderful person, but her life didn't go the way she expected it to go. And life never does. Life is crooked, and we have to kind of figure out how we're going to make meaning out of that. So who here is with me that your life occasionally has taken a couple corners? Yeah, okay. Who thinks Stan planned for this bypass? A couple weeks ago, he wasn't thinking about this. He came in to visit me during pastoral office hours, and he was fine. Two weeks later, he's in the bypass. So these things happen. So we're going to look at Jacob's ladder, which, by the way, there is no passage in the Old Testament with more ink spilled than this one. 
the Jewish people have written books upon books upon books upon books on this passage. Jacob's vision of the ladder or the stairway, Led Zeppelin ripped it off and called it the stairway to heaven. Made a lot of money off it, but same basic archetypal idea. And that song is all about the struggle that this woman has and the stairway to heaven. Because this story is about you and it's about me. And this why this is why the Jewish people it gravit they gravitate towards this story. In 1930, how many Jewish people thought that in 15 years half of the Jewish population of the world would be wiped out? Didn't see that coming. And it came. By 1945, half of the Jews in the world had been exterminated. The Jewish people have been through lots of lots of stuff that they didn't plan. And that's why they resonate with this story. Because they resonate with the person their country's named after. What's the country's name? Israel. And what did God call Jacob? Israel. So Jacob is the personification of the nation. Kind of like the queen is in England. He's the personification. People, Jewish people call themselves the house of Jacob. The Bible, they're called the house of Jacob. Jacob, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Abraham had kids. Isaac had kids, Jacob had kids. But Jacob, the grandchild, was the one that God built his people through. So they relate to this. Jacob's ladder. And this is a dream about each of us. Go to the, whoop, go back to that one. Let's read this out loud. One passage here. One, two, three. Meanwhile, Jacob left Beersheba and traveled toward Haran. At sundown, he arrived at a good place, set up camp, and stopped there for the night. Jacob found a stone to rest his head against, lay down to sleep. Okay. Why is Jacob traveling? Jacob was a homebody. The Bible tells us that he just sort of stayed at home. He's a mild-mannered mild guy growing up. He was a mama's boy, 25, 27, Genesis 25, 27. He was the one who stayed home while his brother Esau went out and hunted and did stuff. So he stayed home and played video games or whatever he did. He was, he was just at home all, he's home all the time. And he was his mama's favorite. And finally, they had to push him out of the nest. Two separate meetings. His mom meets with him and says, you need to get out of here. Dad meets with him. You need to get out of here. Brother Esau is a little ticked off with him because Jacob has stolen his inheritance. Who here has heard of or been a part of a nasty inheritance thing or seen one? It's no fun, even for little things. People fight over stuff. So Esau is thinking, okay, he stole my inheritance. The parents are getting sick of him living in the basement. And they're saying, you need to get out of here. You need to get moving. You need to go out and get a wife. Well, most people, when they go out to get a wife, thinking... They're going to marry that person, stay with them the rest of their lives. He ends up marrying the wrong one, then the right one, then two more. And that's how real life goes sometimes. It doesn't go the way we have it figured out. I've done lots of weddings, and never during the vows do they say, well, this is the first one, we'll see what happens next time. They don't, that's not part of their story. But for Jacob, there was lots of that next time coming up. And Jacob had nothing but failure and deception in his life. 
and he's been kicked out of the house to go find a wife. His father sent a servant to get a wife. He had to go find one himself because they just had to get him moving. So out he goes to do his thing. Mild-mannered man who stayed at camp. The Jewish people say he's like an arrow. He's left the bow, but he's not at the target yet. He's hanging in midair. He's sleeping under the stars. Puts his head on a rock. I never understood that. That's just weird. Puts his head on a rock. Let's uh, go to the next passage here, and let's read it. One, two, three. As he slept, he dreamed of a stairway that reached from the earth to heaven. And he saw the angels of God. Okay, let's sing together. And he's buying a stairway to heaven. We didn't buy it, but anyway, so this, this, this is where they got it. This is a very deep archetype in our lives because... In visions and dreams, we have a connection with the spiritual realm. We have a connection with heaven. And sometimes we have to be unconscious for God to speak to us. Especially if you're a deceiver. Jacob is a deceiver. Here's the problem with lying. Who remembers the sermon we did a few weeks ago that was, tell the truth or at least don't lie. It's easy not to lie. It's hard to tell the whole truth because you don't necessarily know the whole truth. But lying is a real problem, not just for getting caught. If you deceive people and lie and tell untruths, you end up not being able to trust yourself. If you can't trust yourself, you don't know if your thoughts are just, who thinks we can deceive ourselves? And deceivers can deceive themselves. The only way for God to get a hold of Jacob is to get a hold of him through a dream. God got a hold of Tamara this week through this song that was going round and round. Sometimes he has to get a hold of us through supernatural stuff. I saw several of you during worship today where God got a hold of you during the music. And sometimes he sneaks up on us like that, especially if we're deceivers. And most of us have deceived people from time to time. Or we've embellished or, or we've spun things. Who thinks that the political scene right now is encouraging our young people to spin things too much? My goodness, I mean, it's just this, this, this all or nothing stuff all the time. So going back and forth, up and down, who here has been to Half Dome? Robert, you and I climbed Half Dome together. Half Dome has the cables going up 30 stories. And you need the cables because it's too steep to climb. So you hold on to the cables so your feet stay on the granite, and it's 30 stories straight up, and you hold on to both cables. Tamara will never do that, just in case you wondered. So you're going up, and the problem is, there's times when people are going up and down at the same time. And you know how people die? They go outside the cable and hold on with one hand as they're going down, so they go around people. But once a month, someone dies up there. And it's always that. It's always that. Going up and down. And during dreams like this, we get a sense of our dual nature. Your nature is physical and spiritual. You have consciousness, which is spiritual. You have a body, which is physical. And it's a dream like this that connects us with that. In fact, most of our dreams connect us with the spiritual realm. And to be able to understand that we're something bigger than... You ever notice how the world in your dreams is huge? There's this whole world out there. And we're connected to it. And those are symbols for the stuff in our life that we need to pay attention to. And we 
we also need to ask people who are wise to speak into our lives and tell us what that might be about. Because often we can't interpret our own dreams. There's a vertical and a horizontal. The angels are going up and down on the vertical. Which way is Jacob moving to get a wife? He's traveling this way, and there's an up and down. Those two make a cross, which is the symbol of the Christian faith, which is a symbol of the dual nature of human beings. God is true. Jesus was true God and true man. He had vertical and a horizontal thing. And we all do. We've got a connection with the spiritual, and we've got a connection in this world. We travel back and forth on this world, and yet we're connected in the spiritual realm. And Kramer went out to see her mom. It was freezing. But she was traveling this way. But who, who thinks that she brought this with her? You bring, you bring the vertical with you when you go. Because it's part of us. It's not just like an additive you can throw in there. Let's read these uh, passages here all the way through to the next black slide. One, two, three. The top of the stairway stood the Lord. And he said, I am the Lord the God of your grandfather Abraham, the God of your father Isaac. The ground you are lying belongs to you. I'm giving it to you and your descendants. Your descendants will be as numerous as on the earth. They will spread out in all directions, to the east, to the north, and to the south. The earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. What's more, I'm with you, and I will protect you wherever you go. One day, I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have finished giving you everything I have promised you. So the Lord, all caps, L-O-R-D in the Bible, Old Testament means Yahweh, Y-H-W-H. The Lord is the top of the ladder. The angels, by the way, are stuck going up and down. The angels don't travel in the world the way we do. We are actually superior to the angels in that sense. The angels go up and down. We can go up and down, back and forth. And who's at the top? God's up there. And God's talking to Jacob in his messed up life, his messed up, crooked life. And he said, I am there wherever you go. And by the way, I've got a promise for you, and you need to live into it. I need to tell you that there's a promise in each of us that the Lord wants to bring out and for us to live into it. And is it going to be a straight line when we live into it? No. He gets more mess coming up. Who's heard the phrase, what goes wrong comes around? He deceived his brother Esau. He wanted to marry Rachel. Who did he end up with? Leah. Isn't that a surprise in your bed at night for your wedding? The wrong one. I hope that didn't happen to any of you. That's just not a good thing. And so he got deceived. Because he was a deceiver, and what goes around comes around in that sense. And there he was, getting deceived, but he was also learning how to multiply. And he started to become wealthy. He went from being a homeboy to somebody who was involved in the economy. He got out there and started making stuff happen and getting a life and moving things forward. And he was still living a crooked life, but it was getting better because he had what? The promise of God in him that he needed to live into. The Lord doesn't erase the earth. He comes with us into the earth and accompanies. I will be with you. God isn't just with us when the things are going well. God is with us in the messiest places. 
who here has been desperate and God showed up? Very often, when we're desperate, that's when God shows up. But God shows up all the time. But very often, when we're desperate, he shows up. He wanted one wife. He got four. Because God needed to have 12 tribes. He needed to have 12 kids. And God's plan sometimes works differently than, than our plan. And here's what God told him to do. Repeat after me. Expand and bless. That is the job description of a believer. What did God, what's the first commandment in the Bible? Be fruitful and multiply. It doesn't mean just having kids. It means getting out there and multiplying what you do. Expand to the north, the south, the east, to the west. We're built to expand. This little church is starting to affect people all over the country. It's just happened in the last few months. Our podcast is getting out there, and people are starting to connect with us. And occasionally they send us four-figure checks. They come from who knows where. Because we're starting to expand and affect people because we're teaching things that are getting neglected in the Bible. And people who are looking for something fresh are listening to it. And so we're starting to expand. And we're also here to bless. Now, God might have a specific plan for you, but the general plan is expand and bless. Get out there and take yourself because you're made in the image of God. And when you bring yourself, you bring God with you. You bring yourself into every situation you're in. And you bring out your blessing. You bring out your dream. You bring out your destiny. You bring out your promise through expanding and blessing. Getting out and expanding and blessing. Connecting more with the world. Getting out and making things happen. And sometimes it's just through... Shepherding, like what Jacob did. He started to get flocks and making stuff go and living into the promise. So, Imago Dei, the image of God. We are there to expand and bless. Next slide. One, two, three. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I wasn't even aware of it. But he was also afraid and said, what an awesome place this is. It is none other than the house of God, the very gateway to heaven. Awesome, in this Bible passage, this verse we just read, really is a fearful word. He's a little afraid. When God gets a hold of you, there could be some fear involved. Because we'd rather just be a homeboy. We'd rather just stay at home, have mom cook for us or whatever, and just never get out and do stuff. There's nothing wrong with doing that for as long as you can pull it off with your mom. But still, there comes a point where you've got to just go and make it happen. And that's scary. And that's why a lot of people aren't doing it. A lot of people are not getting out there and making life happen. We're just watching Netflix and going through drive throughs and just you know, hoping it all goes away. But we can entertain and feed ourselves with bread and circuses to death and never get out there and make a life. Never get out there and risk things and try things and face the bad stuff. Jacob has to face his brother when he comes back after 20 years. Who wants to face that stuff in life? In a 12-step group, you've got to go make amends with people you got to face those things. And 
tell the truth about those things. And Jacob starts telling the truth about his life. I love this phrase up here. Did you know then that joy is, this is from a rabbi who wrote on this passage. Did you know then that joy is in reality a terror whose outcome we don't fear? There's a thrill. There's a thrill in an adventure we're not afraid of, but it's a little scary. Most every young couple I have ever married up here, well, never in here, but in California, there's beautiful places to marry people. But anyways, they always shake a little bit. They just there's, there's nerves there. But do you think they're fearing the outcome? No, they, they want to live into the outcome of their marriage. They're excited about it. There's a thrilling excitement. And people go to knots and do that terrible ride that goes way up and back around. Boy, you don't, I know. But. Or they go gambling because they want to feel a little bit of that edge. That's why people gamble and that's why people go on scary rides because they want a little bit of skydiving, whatever, bungee jumping. We want to feel the thrill of trying something that isn't too dangerous. And it's just a bad substitute for getting out there and starting a business. Taking that job, risking getting into a relationship which might not be perfect. Going after God's vision for your life and living into it. It's pretty challenging to do that. For everything, there's a season. So he starts to gather stones. We're going to read about that. One, two, three. The next morning, Jacob, very early, he took the stone he had rested his head against. And he set it upright as a memorial pillar. Then he poured olive oil over it. He named the place Bethel, which means house of God, although it was previously called Lutz. Then Jacob made this vow. If God will indeed be with me and protect me on this journey, and if he will provide me with food and clothing, and if I return safely to my father's home, then the Lord will certainly be my God. And this memorial pillar I have set up will become a place for worshiping God. And I will present to God a tenth of everything he gives me. This is the Hebrew letter bait, which is also the word for house. You see where it looks like a shelter and there's a person inside? Sort of a picture thing. And the house of Jacob is another word for the nation of Israel. And the tithe. He gives a tithe because tithing is a healthy response to an encounter with God. And tithing shifts our brains. It shifts our brains from debt orientation to generosity orientation. Generosity means generating. To generate good things happening outside of yourself. That's what it's about. So he turns into a generator rather than just someone living at home. He's actually starting to make stuff happen. Generous, generate. Hiring people, getting things going, making things happen. The house and the tithe. So here's some practicalities. We could go, I could preach on this passage for a month. Here's some practicalities. Life's a great adventure. Take the plunge. Get in there and like Jacob, get out there and move. And expect God to show himself to you. And to give you that promise and to pull that promise out of you. Through moving into the world. Number two. Don't try to eliminate the earthly in this life. We're going to be right here in this world. You ever notice how Jesus didn't start a monastery? Went right into the city of Jerusalem to face his 
his uh, destiny. The Christian faith is not an escape religion, although some people have turned it into it. It's an investment religion. We invest in this world. We invest in creation. We don't say, oh, this world's lost. We're getting out of here. We say, God so loved the world that he gave his son. We're an invest. When there's an earthquake in Japan, who are the first people to show up? Christians. Who are the last ones to leave? Christians. Why? Because if things aren't the way they're in heaven, we need to work on it. On earth as it is in heaven. Do we go to the kingdom? No, the kingdom comes. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Folks, you don't end up in heaven. You go through heaven. But I don't care what your end times view is, and there's lots of good end times views. The Bible says at the end we end up on a new earth, looking up at a new heaven, a transformed earth. Heaven is not your permanent home. It's where God sort of just you know, keeps us all together on the way to the new heavens and the new earth. We, th- we make heaven out to be the goal. And the goal is a transformed world. That's what makes Christians different. Don't expect life to move in a straight line. Everyone over 40 knows this. Those of you under 40, pay attention. It's not going to move in a straight line. You can live a life of careful, try not to make mistakes, or try living out the image of God with the risks that come with that. Nowhere in the Bible to say, try really hard not to make any mistakes because we'll get you. It's more about getting... People in the Bible have issues. But the ones who make something, like King David, man after God's own heart, who thinks he had some sex and violence problems? Definitely. And yet he was a man after God's own heart because he went after it and did things, made things happen. Get out into the world. See the edgy joy and avoid counterfeit risks like gambling and those kind of things. That's just counterfeit. It's not real thrill. Joy comes from doing scary things within the promise of God, risky things, where you're not afraid of the outcome because you know God's got you. That's that's where the thrill of life is. Making stuff happen. And number six, you'll have a specific image, you'll have a specific calling from God, but your general one for all of us is to expand and bless. We expand and bless in different ways. But we want what we're doing to get out there. This is uh, Alan's new the church over here, and he writes songs. And you probably want more than five people to listen to the songs, right? You want them to get out. You you want, yes. <laughs> but wouldn't it be cool if they started buying it in China and India and the people singing your songs on the corner? You want to expand. I mean, it's it's hard sometimes, but we want what's in our heart to get out and to people to hear it and for that to change people's lives. So, worship team, come on back up here. Since I quoted uh, Pink Floyd, I thought I would do Eminem, too, while we're at it. This is a song he sang at the Academy Awards. You can call it a song. Let's read it out loud. One, two, three. Look, if you had one shot or one opportunity to seize everything you ever wanted, one moment, would you capture it or just let it slip? A lot of this stuff in popular music is pretty stupid, but some of it's pretty cool. And this is the pretty cool kind. Are we going to get out there and live into the dream that God put in our hearts? 
That's what this is all about. So one last Bible passage. I'll read this myself. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? Once again, Jacob, Israel. This is God talking to the nation, the house of Israel, the house of Jacob. Why do you say my way is hidden from the Lord and my right is disregarded by my God? Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. Let's stand up. Lord, uh, like Jacob, we've got uh, some failure and deception in our lives. And our lives have not gone in a straight line. And things have gone wrong and things have gone right. And some of us are thinking right now, because of that mess, you can't work with us. But you said to Jacob and you said to everyone here that I will work with everyone in this room. Everyone in this room is as precious to me as Jacob. And everyone in this room has a destiny and a vision and a dream to pull out. Everyone. And he will be with you every step of the way. God does not abandon you when things get rough. God is especially there. And Lord, we know that our future is not going to be a straight line either. But we know that we know that we know that you are with us. We pray, Lord, for more dreams and visions. I pray for some people from this room to get a dream tonight while they're sleeping that will give them strength like eagles, that will point them in the right direction. And I pray for courage, Lord, not to play it safe, but to take that chance and go after life. Be willing to make mistakes. Be willing to fail but intending to succeed. I pray that we would all have a different way of expanding and blessing. That everyone we cross, we go through our day, we can bless. And you see us blessing people, you can expand our territory even more, and we're going to bless even more people. So, Lord, we pray for each and every person here because we can relate to Jacob. We pray, Lord, that we would live into the great promise that Jesus calls us into. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.